Articles of Faith is a weekly interview show featuring scholars and writers who have written about the doctrines and teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Articles of Faith is a production of Fair Mormon and is hosted by Nick Galetti. Jeff Bidolf is a convert to the church of just over 15 years. Before joining, he read a lot of anti-Mormon literature. However, it was the spirit that converted him and helped him be open to being baptized. Since then, Jeff has read the Book of Mormon more than 10 times and has read the entire Bible at least five times. He has a large library of church-related material from which he draws upon as he writes for the Millennial Star blog, where he's contributed for nearly a decade. He and his wife, Cindy, were married in the Denver Temple nearly 11 years ago, and they now have five kids. He is joining us by phone today from uh, Denver, Colorado, where I believe it's below zero. Is that right? Uh, not today. It's about... Uh... It's reached up to 15 degrees, oh, so well, you we're really up. enjoying this this uh, like tropical weather we're having today. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, Jeff is here to talk about an article he wrote for the Millennial Star blog entitled, Why Didn't the Church Teach Me This Stuff? So welcome, Jeff. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me. So you've been blogging for, for about 10 years. Is that, is that right? That's right, yep. Well, that's, that's certainly no small accomplishment. Did you ever think that you would have something left to say after 10 years? Uh, you know, I guess I'm just a blowhard. I'm not really sure. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I always come up with something to say, um, and I really enjoy it. I enjoy the interaction, and we've developed a nice group of people who follow Millennial Star. Nice. So I guess during your time as an LDS blogger, have you seen the, uh, the blogger knackle, as it's often referred to, this, this catalog of blogs who claim some voice in, in the Mormon community? Have you seen it change during that time? And if so, how? Yes, it has changed significantly. Um, boy, I think there are a lot of different ways that it has changed. Uh, first of all, there are obviously more blogs. Um, I think that it's interesting that the church has come out and, and encouraged people to be involved with social media. And I could tell you that 10 years ago, there were, there were a lot of faithful people who thought that it was not a good thing to be involved with social media. And I think that now people are seeing that there are ways of explaining things and that, you know, I've seen in the last decade, a lot of people um, who come online to find answers and they go to places like Fair Mormon or hopefully it's our blog and Jeff Lindsay's blog and other places to, to find answers that help them maintain their faith in the church. And that's really our goal. Yeah. So while well, typically on this show we seek to focus on articles that come from what we would be considering more academic or scholarly, we do find articles from time to time that strike an apologetic tone, regardless of, of that level of scholarship. But the argument presented can help those struggling to reframe their positions in such a way that might help them calm some of those stormy waters of a faith crisis. Now, your article that you wrote is called, Why Didn't the Church Teach Me This Stuff?, and it was released on November 12th, 2014. This, this article was in a response to a gospel topics essay that the church released on polygamy in the early church, uh, specifically during the Kirtland and Nauvoo periods. If you could, for those that haven't read that article uh, from the church, could you summarize what one might find in that piece, specifically the parts that have caused some stir in public discourse recently? Yes. Um, so just a very quick summary. I think that um, the Church has been doing some very interesting things in discussing some some of the early history. Polygamy with, with regard to Joseph Smith, 
polygamy in Nauvoo and also how polygamy was practiced in Salt Lake. And I think probably the most, you know, the thing that caught the attention of the mainstream media, and it, this happened about a week ago um, and created something of a firestorm, is this claim that Joseph Smith may have had up to 40 wives. Um, now we can discuss what it means to be a, you know, what the early church saw as being a wife as opposed to our modern day conception of it, which I think is an important distinction. And I think that's really the issue that has that has caused uh, this issue to to regain attention. Well, let's get into that then. What why what's the difference? Why is a wife a term that's different today than it was back then? Well, I think the historic. First of all, I, I think that it's important to point out that a lot of this history uh, was not necessarily um, hidden by the church. Um, it, it was just not something that the church felt. Uh, that was important to concentrate on, which is a different thing than than actually trying to hide it. And a lot of the historical record, I mean, you know, we have the internet today, and I think people forget that in the 1830s and 1840s, the actual history of what happened is very difficult to discern. And yeah, you might be able to go to some newspaper records, and you're looking for diaries, you're looking for letters back and forth. You know, keep in mind that this is an extremely controversial subject with uh, people who left the church and would go around saying bad things about the church and about Joseph Smith. Uh, but a lot of the, the things that they claimed, like some of the things that John C. Bennett claimed, have been proven to just not be historically accurate. So getting a, a true vision of what happened in the 1830s and 1840s is extremely difficult. And I think that people need to keep that in mind. So but what we do know about polygamy at that time was that uh, Joseph Smith did marry several additional wives in addition to Emma, and um, we also know that that he did didn't have any more than than one or two, as far as I know, um, children that came from these marriages. Right. So when we think of marriage, we think okay, you get married. You you know if you're a good Latter Day Saint, wait until your your wedding day to have sex, uh, and you then proceed to create a family. Well, that's not what Joseph Smith did with um, probably the majority of of the vast majority of the women that he married. So he was being sealed to them for eternity, and in sometimes in some cases for time. But he was not necessarily adopting them as wives in the sense that we would consider it. So it wasn't it wasn't for sexual gratification. He wasn't some libertine and that's that's more where you're getting at it. This this wasn't some kind of promiscuous venture. Yes. Yeah, I think that um you know, and I think that that even uh a, a lot of the the smart anti-Mormon types have kind of abandoned the idea that Joseph Smith was some sexual libertine who was who was, you know, marrying these wives to to satisfy sexual urges? Because there's, there's just no evidence of that in the historical record. Yeah. Well, as you kind of pointed out, that this this topic or this gospel topics article was released around October 22nd, but a a recent Google search, in fact, I think I just did it this morning to double check, but it showed a massive amount of news outs, outlets posting articles just around November 11th. And and so yes. there's this gap of time until the major news outlets kind of 
I don't know, research, maybe brought a resurgence forward on this subject. But it, it also kind of made me wonder, why is this topic sticking around so long? Why, why does it seem to be hot news for longer than, than typical news cycles we see today? Um, well, I think that's, that's a very good question. I think I might be able to answer that a bit. Um, I'm a former journalist. I worked uh, as a professional journalist for, for many years, wrote for the Miami Herald, uh, Boston Globe, Arizona Republic, and a few other newspapers during my career. So I know how journalists, journalism works, and it's the, it's the herd instinct, right? So, boy, polygamy, yay, you know, big love. Uh, HBO isn't really successful with that. Let's let's you know let's follow this story about these salacious doings and you know gin up readership and and I think there's really no other explanation besides that. I think that you know again it, it's a subject that is very difficult for the average person to really understand. As I as I mentioned in the comments on my post, a millennial star. I mean, as a Mormon convert, I literally 50% of the time when I mention to somebody that I'm Mormon, I get the comment, you know, oh, you know, how many wives do you have? Or, you know, how many homes do you have to have to own to keep all your wives? Right. And, you know, I mean, it just happens to me all the time because in my business, I'm no longer a journalist. Um, I work for an international company. And in my business, I travel all throughout the world. And you encounter a lot of people who don't know about the church. And, you know, I'll be sitting down and, you know, everybody will be drinking wine or coffee and I'll say, you know, no. And they'll say, why? I say, well, I'm a Mormon. And they say, you know, immediately. It, it just happens to me all the time. Oh, well, how many wives do you have? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it's something that is just it, it, impossible to, uh, not to encounter. Right. So I think if, if, you know, and of course, there's still the fundamentalist Mormons in, in Southern Utah and Nevada, et cetera. So you, 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 you know, people associate that and, you know, it sells newspapers that, you know, the, the process of selling an article is you have to also sell it to your editor, right? So you want to write it and you go to your editor and say, this will, you know, this will be interesting. We get to talk about polygamy, you know, and, and the editor will get interested in it. And all of a sudden, boom, you have a, 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 a firestorm of stories touching on a topic that there, there really isn't anything new here. I think that, that that bears mentioning. Sure, and and that actually touches upon the theme of your article, which seems to be in response to this strain of discourse that centers around some discontent or uneasiness with people in the church that feel like this was a this was new to them. That why why doesn't the church ever teach this stuff? And 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 hence your 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 title. So you ask the question of the reader, but I want to turn it back on you. Why didn't the church teach me this stuff? So what what's your response to your own question? Well, I think there are several responses. The first the first point to make, I mean, I think that anybody who um, is watching and has been in the church and has friends knows that there are people who simply are not aware or have not been following this issue and may have been surprised to find out some of this information about Joseph Smith. Um, and so to those people who you know, are honestly surprised and shocked by it, you know, my, my post is not intended to um, be an attack on, on, on these people at all. I mean, I, I have friends and family who, who have fallen into that category. So uh, I'm very aware that not everybody can read, you know, a hundred books on the church, 
Um, but I do think I, I think the real point of my of my post, and I, and I will stand by this, is that at the end of the day, we are accountable for our actions, and we're going to stand accountable before God for our actions, and that also includes how we respond to new information, and it also includes educating ourselves and thinking about the scriptures, right? So we have there, you know, Doctrine and Covenants 132, which is a rather long section of Doctrine and Covenants, that is almost all about polygamy, right? And it's about, and it's obviously about much more than that. It's about marriage for the eternities, but there are very clear references. You know, it says that if a man can marry 10 virgins, right? And, and I mean, that's, that's got to make you think to yourself, huh, what's that about? Right, so it would seem to me that anybody who was a little bit curious would read that and say, "Well, I've got to find out about this," and especially in an in an environment where, as I mentioned, you go out and talk to non-members and they immediately start um, saying that you know how many wives do you have? Well, you've got to find an answer to that, and I'm sure that every missionary who's ever gone out to serve has been asked about polygamy, so. This this environment where you know you're absolutely shocked to find out these things about the church, I think I think that there are some people who are not really being honest about their uh, responses to this issue, and I think that that they're frankly using this new information as an excuse because they have other concerns about the church or their their. They're concerned about same-sex marriage, or they're concerned about other issues, and they're kind of glomming on to this issue as yet an, to, to kind of justify to themselves their own their own response. Now, I want to be really clear: I'm not saying everybody falls into this category, but you know, in, in a decade of of interacting with literally thousands of people in an online world, you see certain patterns that emerge in people's responses, right? And and in, in, in very broad categories, I would say that there are people like myself, who, you know, kind of when, when we're faced with new information or challenging information, we, you know, we assume our assumption automatically is that, that the church has a reason for it. And you know, if we don't understand it, let's put it on a shelf and let's deal with it later. Right. And then there are people who really kind of struggle and, and I have tremendous sympathy for people like that. And there are people who, you know, kind of, I find over time that they increasingly come up with reasons to criticize the church. And so their their reflex response seems to be that they will criticize the church and come up for reasons to prove it's not true, rather than to have the reflex response of trying to support the church. And again, every case is different. There are people who, um, you know, are going through personal crises, and I don't want to diminish the emotional toll of things like that. If you're one of the people who wants to reflexively criticize the church, well, let's let's get you into the other camp. Let's get you into a camp of okay, I can question, but let me try to, to tend to be to be faithful, and let me let's give you know let's give the church the benefit of the doubt. And for those people, I have a quotation from Camila Kimball that I think is really important. And this is Spencer W. Kimball's wife. She said, I learned early to put aside those gospel questions that I could not answer. 
I had a shelf of things I did not understand. But as I have grown older and studied and prayed and thought about each problem, one by one, I have been able to understand them better. So I think Camila Kimball's advice is very, very good advice. She's saying that it's important to learn to put these things on a shelf mentally, right? Don't give up all the wonderful things that the gospel teaches you about eternal families and about a happy family that you can have while you're on on the earth. Don't give up all those wonderful things because you're concerned that Joseph Smith, who lived you know, more than 150 years ago, may have done things that you don't understand. So put it on a shelf. That's, that's really what I, the, 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 the strong message that I, that I want to try to get across to people. Well, and that is a difficult position to take because you're already opening yourself up for people to, to not feel very comfortable with, hey, you're asking me to put aside something at the same time of feeling like, I felt like the church has already been putting this aside, right? There's there's this sense of, I haven't been taught this, and so now you're asking me to take what has been shared and to kind of put it aside. That's kind of a difficult proposition to, to ask people to make, yet here you are making it. So I guess in some respects, I want to ask a question. It may sound like a little bit of a loaded question or, or at least hard to answer in a short podcast, but if people are feeling that the church hid this from them, it does beg the question, what is the role or responsibility of the church towards its its members or even to the public with respect to topics such as this and, and, and disclosing all the lurid details, as you put it in your article? What, what then is that expected role of the church towards its members and the public? Well, I guess I would answer that by asking, kind of putting it back on the individual person and saying, you know, what is your responsibility as a church member in terms of learning things about the church yourself, right? We're in, a, we're in an age of information where there is, there's a lot that can be learned. And again, I really feel that we need to, we need to be accountable for our own reactions and our own, our own education, our own response. Okay. So, so if, if we take that as a given that people are, are really accountable for how they learn and how they respond to new information. So what should the church teach? Well, I mean, if we were in class eight hours a day, every day, then the church could get into all these details and we could expect, if, if that were not, you know, if that were not brought up at some point, then we might have an argument to be made. But the reality is, we all know that the church has a mission on the earth, which is to prepare for the second coming of the Savior and to spread the gospel as widely as we can in that environment. So given that that is the primary mission of the church— and that we're out handing out books of Mormon, and there's so many questions about the most basic things, right? I mean, I, I try to hand out um, at least 12 to 15 books of Mormon a year, and you get so many questions that are, you know, well, you know, Jesus came to the Americas. Um, you know, what, is he the same Jesus who went to Jerusalem? Um, I mean, just that discussion alone takes you half an hour, right? So. There are, it's, it's not as if the gospel is something that you can learn in five minutes. It takes you, you know, in my opinion, years and years and years, and then you're just scratching the surface because there's so many other things to ponder. If we want to do a good job of preparing missionaries to go out into the field, preparing our young people to be able to, you know, deal with all of the difficult things they need to learn in the world today, preparing our young people to... 
um, go out and and you know have a job and be able to stay in church and get married in the temple. There's just so much that they need to be taught. Um, personally, I think that there's a tremendous role for just reading the scriptures, and then once you've read the scriptures, to have somebody kind of go through it with you, and you, and the person who's teaching learns a lot, and the student learns a lot. And so, if we accept that the the church's role is a huge one in terms of teaching us, and that our time is limited, then we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, when exactly are we supposed to be covering Joseph Smith's polygamy, right? And the and all of the details of how many wives and what their names were, and he married this one this time. And then, so let's say we did that. Let's say that we had, in you know, we devoted two Sundays, right? And one Sunday was Joseph Smith's polygamy, and the other Sunday was Brigham Young's polygamy. We listed all of their wives and, you know, why he did it and, and you know, how old they were and, and all those details. Well, so then somebody comes along and says, well, you didn't say this about this. And, you know, you didn't talk about, you know, this wife who then went to write a book about how, you know, Brigham Young had abused her. And, you know, so you're still hiding details. So it, it, it literally, in my opinion, would be impossible to cover this in a way that would ever satisfy the critics. And now, this does not mean that, you know, the church cannot change and cannot open up and, and teach people new things. I think that we're seeing with these online essays that the church is doing that. And, you know, I, I see this as a great tool. I'm a gospel doctrine teacher. I see it as a great tool. If somebody asks me a question, I say, look, you know, here's a faithful source, a reliable source, it's online. It's on LDS.org. So you know that it's something that has been approved by one of the general authorities. Go on and read for yourself, right? Don't rely on me to tell you what to think. Go inspect it yourself. So I think that process is taking place. You know, should it have taken place 50 years ago or 40 years ago and have been included in every single manual? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't see a conspiracy of any sort. I don't see a an attempt to hide anything. I see the usual behavior of an institution that is focused on one goal and is not necessarily capable of of taking care of every single demand by every single person. Well, and one of the things that I found with this internet generation, this Google instant information idea, is that we didn't have that. When I was growing up, I didn't have that. I mean, sure, it was only 30 years ago, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but we didn't have that kind of access to information. Not that the information wasn't there or couldn't be found, but it wasn't as easy to find. And I think that sometimes we think that if the information isn't easy to find, then someone's hiding it. And I think there's a very different uh, mindset that's happening right now. So when you release a, an article like this, it appears as if this is new information when in fact, and, and then the church has actually put out a second page kind of responding to this exact criticism, right? You even link to it in your article and we can link to it here, but it, it goes over the history of how the church has, has actually had this information made public in various forums and different ways. So to, to kind of bring it back more to that, what then do you think is is the solution with people looking at this gospel topics article with respect to the practice of polygamy itself does this article offer answers in that regard i mean it, it is a huge issue 
for people to get their heads around. And, and that's, that's, a, that's very, very clear, especially for women, especially in an environment today where, you know, there's divorce is, is fairly common and it's, it's an extremely difficult environment for women are always concerned with good reason that something may happen to their husband, right? Pornography, being led astray in one way or another. And so in that environment, and, and obviously I think that, that men are concerned about, about their wives as well. So in that environment, this issue is extremely difficult for a lot of people to consider and get their, their heads around. And I guess the first point would be, you know, it's not practiced anymore. Ta-da! <laughs> so, you know, you've had a century now almost where it hasn't been practiced. Um, so you don't have to worry. You personally don't have to worry about it. Okay. So then, then you get the obvious answer. Well, what about, you know, what about if my, I die and my husband remarries somebody in the temple and then I've got to deal with polygamy for the eternities and th- that always comes up. And once again, you know, we know that we have a loving heavenly father who is not going to put us in a position that we're not capable of dealing with if we're a faithful member of the church, right? So again, that's worrying about something that you really don't need to worry about. So for, you know, for people today, the good news is you don't need to worry about it. It's not happening. It's not something that's practiced. It's, you know, if you're worried about, you know, the eternities, then stop worrying about that because we have a loving Heavenly Father who's going to resolve that issue as well. So that that is the most, it seems to me, a, a point that needs to be, you know, hammered home very, very consistently. Yeah, to kind of rise rise above that concern. Exactly. But all right, so let's talk about polygamy historically, right? Yes, that is a that is an extremely difficult issue to handle, and 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 again, having had online interactions with people, it can be very, very tough for a lot of people to to say, well, you know, Joseph Smith was he got the Book of Mormon, he founded the church. Um, you know, everybody talks about what a great prophet he was, and here he is marrying all these wives, and in some cases, Emma wasn't happy about it, right? And that's clearly true, right? And so we need to ask ourselves, well, what is our expectation of Joseph Smith, first of all? Is our expectation that he's going to be perfect in our sense of of being perfect? Is is our expectation that he's going to be, you know, our judge of perfect in 2014, Right? And so you need to spend some time thinking about what it means to be a prophet and that prophets are not perfect. But, you know, my personal impression is that Joseph Smith did what the Lord asked him to do very reluctantly because, you know, he had had this training through the loss of 116 pages and other experiences he had had in his life that he really needed to do what the Lord told him to do, even though it was difficult. When you, when you look at this situation, <clears throat> logically, you know, something else was going on. There was some outside force that was kind of leading him towards doing something that he felt the Lord really had asked him to do. You know, I think it's very well explained in the scriptures themselves. Let's concentrate on the marvelous, the clearly wonderful things that Joseph Smith did. And let's leave those things that we don't understand on the shelf. And they'll be, they'll be answered in time, right? I, I really believe with all my heart 
that they will be answered in time. And that, you know, it, it, it may be during your, this, you know, it may be next week that you, you, you find some new information, and everything kind of clicks in place. You go, oh, now I get it. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, very briefly, my wife had that experience when she was young. <clears throat> she didn't want to go on a mission. And one of her concerns was, well, well, the women don't have priesthood. And she was concerned about that. And she had a conversation with some church authorities. And it all just clicked. She understood exactly what was going on. And her understanding was that women have a special role with regard to the priesthood involving bearing children that men do not have, and that that's probably part of the priesthood. And I know that's the, not the subject of this talk, but I want to give this example of how it finally just clicked home for her, and she had has never had a concern about that ever since. And I think that you know, everybody has a different, it can have a different experience. And I think that all of these concerns will be answered with time and that you might be surprised if you're faithful to the church, you continue to do your callings, continue to go to the temple, continue to read your scriptures, that you might be surprised that, that your revelation of this comes quicker than you think. So in the conclusion of your article, you, you say the following, the church did teach you stuff about even controversial topics. Perhaps you were distracted or didn't pay attention or not curious enough to explore on your own. You are ultimately responsible for your own learning, and you are responsible for how you respond to new information. That is what this whole free agency thing is all about. And and so that, that really brings it back to, again, the, the question of your article, the title. Why didn't the church teach me these things? And and that's a difficult pill, again, to, for, for people to swallow, this idea that when they look back, people have to say to themselves, you know, th- that information actually was out there, and it, it's really my responsibility to, to know these things. So I, I pose you one last question that relates to that. How much time is a healthy amount of time to dedicate to controversial topics? If we are to be learning these things, is, is, there, some, is there some guideline or some amount of attention that we should be dedicating to studying and finding answers to these controversial subjects? I think, I think it, it, it varies from person to person. I mean, it, it's, it, since I've joined the church, I actually um, lived in Brazil for four years, and so I've, I've lived in a, a you know, different culture where people respond to things differently. And you know, there are people in Brazil who felt the Spirit, knew it was true, never looked back, never had any questions, you know, go, come to church every Sunday, go to the temple, never even worry about any of these things. Ah, whatever. I don't care about polygamy, right? They, they simply have had the confirmation to them, the spirit-to-spirit connection from the Holy Ghost that is more powerful than anything they could ever imagine. And they simply are not going to be swayed by anything because they look back at their lives and they say, okay, I joined the church 15 years ago, and I'm so much happier, right? My life is organized, and you know, I I'm surrounded myself with good people. I have goals for my life and for my family, um, and and it's just it's obvious to them spiritually, and it's obvious to, to them temporally that this is the solution being in the church. And of course, there are people all over the world, including the United States, who have that kind of response, right? For for these people, you know, if you are that type of person that you've had that confirmation and you don't have any doubts, my answer would be keep on trucking, 
right? Keep on doing what you're doing. Try to do your calling. Go to go to the temple. Read the scriptures. Have family prayer. Go to your state conferences. You know, continue to do what you're doing. If you're the person like me, who you know, for whatever reason, was given this mind that always has to ask questions, why, right? And I think there are a lot of people like that. Then I guess my answer would be, all right, you hear some new difficult information, okay? Joseph Smith had may have had 40 wives. Well, if you really need to know, if you really need to know, go to sources that are going to approach this from a faithful standpoint, right? And, you know, I think Fair Mormon is a one of the best sources out there. And Fair Mormon deals with answering some of the things regarding polygamy. So does Jeff Lindsay's page. We at Millennial Star have articles. We've had a series of articles dealing with this. And, you know, we're not, we're not a scholarly journal. We don't pretend to be. But our approach is always going to be to try to build up the faith of members. And approach it from that perspective and maybe some of your answers will be there some some of your questions will be answered immediately and maybe you won't get answers for years right satisfactory answers but don't let that overwhelm all the wonderful things about the church you know it's kind of like you know the 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 person who you know has a has a really nice house and has a nice life and you know everything's great but they're worried because, you know, they really, they, they, they really need a nicer car, right? Well, you got to look, you got to stand back and say, that's not the most important thing in your life. The most important thing in your life, your kids and, and your, your, how's your relationship with your spouse and is your job stable? And, you know, are you advancing and moving on with your life? You know, you can't, you can't worry about the small details when the big picture is so wonderful inside the church. So, I guess that would be my answer, um, and I, I just want to reemphasize this whole accountability issue, because I think that that we live in a world where everybody loves to blame everybody but themselves, and you're going to be standing in front of God someday, and you know He's going to look into your soul, and you're going to realize you can't blame everybody around you for your actions when you were alive, right? You cannot say, "Well, the church never told me, and therefore I left the church." And, you know, I've done all these horrible things. It's because of the church. It's because of the church. They're the ones who did it. You know that's not going to fly, right? And the Savior is going to look at you with a sad look on his face, and he's going to say, you know that your actions are being judged, and you can't go around blaming everybody around you. Be responsible for your own responses to the things around you, and that includes new information that you may find difficult to understand. Well, thank you again for, for coming on and talking with us. And I want to point people to your blog. It's uh, millennialstar.org. We will have a link to your article, uh, this article that we've been talking about, Why Didn't the Church Teach Me This Stuff? An, a, a common question that we hear from, from those d- dealing with difficult issues for sure. So we'll have a link to that at the posting for this episode at blog.fairmormon.org. Thank you again, Jeff, for, for coming on and sharing your thoughts. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Articles of Faith with your host, Nick Galetti. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
please subscribe to our show in iTunes. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org. Tune in each Monday for another episode of Articles of Faith. Thank you for listening.